Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when the idillionaire, Patrick Davis, takes jams. They reached the top of the Billboard's charts on this day in history. Uh, and also, my man Patrick always hooking us up. He hooked me up again today. Actually, I'm doing the show from the house. And uh, that's because... The AC actually went out at the house. A little emergency situation, but it's okay because uh, we got the Comrex. Thanks to my man Patrick. Uh, he ended up being uh, the, the guy to save the day. He's the idealionaire. Came up with a great idea so that I can do the show from the house and waiting on the AC people to show up. Uh, the only window they had was during the show. Didn't have any other appointments, I believe, for the next two weeks. So, um, and thanks to uh, the couple of folks who uh, said they got to get AC guy. My man Lowe hit me up and said, hey, I, got, I know a guy. All right, so if you know a guy or a gal, an AC, uh, we appreciate all of the, if y'all looking out, we appreciate that. Okay, we got a lot to get into. We'll get into some NFL discussion, even some more discussion from yesterday about the running back market, the depression of the running back market. A lot of people believe that it is broken and needs to be fixed. Uh, we'll discuss why that is the case and if there's anything that can be done. Uh, about what's going on at the running back position. Also, there are uh, NFL scouts, execs, and I believe coaches as well, anonymously, uh, rank the NFL's best quarterbacks. Jeremy Fowler had an article from ESPN. We'll get into that, talk about the best quarterbacks in the league. And also, I think they rank the wide receivers. They're doing every position. We'll talk about quarterbacks and wide receivers, especially today. And Bijan Robinson reporting to training camp today. Uh, I believe him and all the rookies reporting. Not, uh, not all of them, but most of them reporting to uh, training uh, training camp for the rookies early on uh, so that's actually a nice topic of conversation that we'll get into because he's already made some impressions during their mini camps um, so we'll get into that and talk about it alright so uh, let's first discuss the the running back market because I did some more research and remember I told you guys about the study that was done this is probably maybe 8 maybe close to 10 years old but I do think they keep up with the, the actual research and the results. So I do think they update it ever so often. And mine, the stat that I got dates all the way back to 2001. And it's basically based on analytics, looking at the shelf life and the lifespan of running backs and their productivity levels. And it states that running backs who played at least four NFL seasons since 2001 with a minimum of 75 rushes per season that's all which is not a lot those guys peak at 27 the production drops by 15 percent when they get to turn when they turn 28 uh, drops by 25 percent by the time they turn 29 and by the time those running backs turn 30 there's a 40 percent drop in productivity so let's go take keep that in mind right so 27 is your peak 27 is a running back. The NFL basically views running backs the way Leonardo DiCaprio views women. All right? You, you, you're in your prime, and you peak around 27. And honestly, after that, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. That's, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. That's how he views ladies, and that's pretty much how the NFL views running backs. That's when you start your precipitous decline. And go look at the running backs who are having issues right now, right? So Dalvin Cook, remember he was cut. How old was he? 27. <laughs> 27 years old, got cut. You're talking about a, one of the more productive running backs in the league. Guy 
cut after 1,184 rushing yards, four and a half yards per carry. Oh, you 27? Like Leonardo DiCaprio. She gone. Uh, let's Saquon Barkley. He's having issues. He wants his money from the Giants. The Giants don't want to give him a contract extension. They just want to franchise tag him. How old is Saquon? 27. She gone. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you go look at – he's not the only one. Go look at – Austin. remember – the running backs who decided to restructure their deals. Remember Aaron Jones? He restructured his deal because he didn't want to get cut with the Packers. How old was he? He's 28. Joe Mixon just took a pay cut because he wants to stay and he don't want to be cut from the Cincinnati Beagles. How old is he? 26. Yeah. Kareem Hunt still ain't found a damn team. He got, right, he wasn't re-signed by Cleveland. How old is he? 27. Uh... Hell, Austin Eckler. How old is Austin Eckler? He's upset right now. 28. <laughs> Josh Jacobs. It's unfortunate. The guy's a rushing champion. He's got, had 53 receptions. He's 25 years old. You, you're right there on the cusp, brother. Sorry. The Leonardo DiCaprio rule of running backs. He's she gone. Cowboys cut Zeke at 27. Tampa Bay released Leonard Fournette at 28. Cowboys don't want to pay Tony Pollard. Why? He's 26. And Tony Pollard's probably got as little wear and tear as any, you know, main uh, running back or any lead running back in the NFL. Right? He doesn't have a lot of wear and tear because he was behind Zeke most of the time. And this is the first season, at least last season was the first season, where he was the bell cow, considered at least considered to be more of the bell cow. So it tracks, guys. It's just, it's 27. Like I said, Leonardo DiCaprio, what is, I believe his rule is 20, women at 26. He don't want to date women past like 26 years old. Basically, the NFL does not want to date running backs or commit to them after 27 years old. They do it reluctantly, Patrick, very reluctantly. Yeah, no, they, they and it's, it's the problem that the running backs have is that all analytics basically tell you you get a young running back, you draft a running back, and you don't pay them, and that's the best way to win a Super Bowl. And basically all analytics will tell you that. Now, I test and any coach will be like, yeah, no, I'd prefer to have a running back that I can trust in games. And it could be very important in, in some games to have a running back. But analytics would tell you that they're, they're basically a waste of space. So I, I don't know at what point it just does get to the point where they're like, we're never, we're never signing anyone after a rookie deal unless they sign for the minimum. But we only exactly. want rookies. We only want guys that are fresh legs and 27 years old. You're you're a dinosaur. You might like go go to the XFL, go to the USFL, have fun. But we're never going to pay you again. I, I'd like. And when does that start to backfire? And teams start to get you know wide receivers beat up more and running backs beat up more, and basically pass rushing becomes. And I think part of that too is pass rushing because they've made it so much harder for pass rushers to touch the quarterback. That they're trying to make it that it makes it a little bit easier to not run the ball because you go well. One of the things you want to run the ball is to keep defensive ends honest. And now that they're like, well, we don't really have to keep that honest because as long as we get the ball out quick enough, then they like we don't really need them to be that honest because they they can't they can't come hard at the quarterback anymore. Now to your point, Patrick, it is a it's a it's a brilliant point. It's a astute observation. The rules have changed to the point where you have so many more advantages throwing the ball. Yeah. They basically, they've, they've incentivized you to throw the ball. They're going to protect your quarterback. So if your quarterback is even – he's hit any, any slight 
slightly malicious manner, right, even though it's football, you will get the rough in the passer. Uh, they will protect your wide receivers. You can't touch them after five yards or even near that. I saw some things that were really close last year, and the refs are really giving the receivers the benefit of the doubt and not the DBs, and then you can't touch them after five yards, and then you can't even lay any you know, malicious haymaking hit on them anymore either. So you can't intimidate that way. So there are incentives, to your point about, no, let's throw the ball. Actually, you run the ball, we don't get those incentives. The NFL has incentivized the passing game. And I've been thinking, I've been trying to figure it out because there's a lot of different factors, I think, that are leading to this. And we talked about it yesterday, right, Patrick? The, the free market pre- reproduces this, this, uh, this, this running back issue in, a, in several of, in other industries, in several different ways, right? We, we talked about teachers and education, right? The things, positions and professions that are, that are pivotal, essential to our way of life. Like our way of life would con- completely break down without these professions. And yet, in terms of compensation and wage, they have been pushed down the scale. And we really, nobody can really explain it, but there are different forces, different market forces that are at work here. And we talked about that with teachers and education, right? We talked about that with uh, healthcare, with nurses. Um, hell, right now, with the SAG after, after a strike that's going on with Hollywood, all the different. Um, actors and voiceover people and writers and everybody that it takes to actually make these entertainment products possible for us to consume on all of these different applications. Um, now they're saying, well, we want to be paid for that stuff, and it's a different entertainment ecosystem. And even though they're essential to making that product happen, they're not being paid what they're worth or what they believe they're worth, even though they are essential to the creation uh, and, and the cultivation of that product. And it's basically what running back is. We're seeing this be reproduced, Patrick, in a, in a lot of different areas and a lot of different facets of our economy. And it is unfortunate. And it honestly, I don't know a way to remedy it. Teachers been trying to get paid more for years. Adjusted for inflation, teachers average, their, by this, their average weekly pay has only increased by $29 from 1996 to 2021, adjusted for inflation. I guarantee you nurses out there have similar numbers about that kind of stuff, and the numbers that the the SAG after people are bringing up are very similar in terms of the, the pay disparity and what's going on. So I do think we've seen this in other aspects of our economy and and commerce but i i'm not saying i have the remedy i'm just saying observing it it happens unfortunately to a to a lot of hard working folks who are good at their jobs yeah and i think the weird part of where some of these other analogies don't necessarily pan out fully is that five years ago ten years ago this wasn't like they were getting paid tons and tons of money so it is, it's something that was very well respected and very well liked five ten years ago and now is basically completely wiped out. So that's where you get into the stuff of like, well, teachers have never been respected and paid well. So, uh, yeah, that's an argument to be made. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm and, and I'm not saying we like we love teachers. They're awesome. They need to be they need to be there. And, and good teachers are amazing. I'm saying yeah. financially, they have never really been compensated at the appropriate level, whereas running backs used to be. And that's where a lot of these guys are like, dude, I. You, I get told all growing up that you're going to be a running back, and then I work hard to be the best running back in the league, and then you pull the carpet out from beneath me. And that's more what's annoying to a lot of these guys. Go, all the pain and, and injury I put my body through for this team, and then at the end of it, you go, oh, by the way, we found out we don't need you anymore. 
Uh, yeah, and to your point, the franchise tag value for running backs went over this number. In 2015, it was $11 million, as we know now, from the running backs who have been franchise tagged and will have to play on that tag if they play. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, <clears throat> and uh, Josh Jacobs, that, that's $10 million. So it has actually dropped. It's the only position whose franchise tag value has dropped. And I went and looked at a lot of these numbers. The average running back salary at right now is $1.8 million. Uh, that is lower than kickers, who are at 2.2. Million, uh, the running backs, and you go look at you know some of the other really kind of mind blowing stats that uh, I'm sure these executives and teams are using as you know kind of gospel now. And I'm not uh, honestly, I, like I said, I, I, I totally understand because you go look at the last eight Super Bowls, the 16 lead running backs basically won for each team in those eight Super Bowls, uh, only five rushed for a thousand yards. That's roughly, you got your, you know, a third of those rush for 1,000 yards. Six ranked in the top 10 in rushing. Um, three ranked higher than number eight in rushing. Those teams, by the way, 0 and 3. And the last running back, not named Henry, to rush for 1,500 yards, uh, missed the playoffs. So, and no rushing champ since Sean Alexander has actually been in the Super Bowl. That's a, the, the last, no rushing champion in the Super Bowl since Sean Alexander did in 2005. And the last Hall of Fame running back to lead a Super Bowl winner in rushing, Marshall Falk, 1999. That's if, Mar if, Mar if Marshawn Lynch makes it to the Hall of Fame, he'll change that. But if, if he doesn't, then, like I said, last... Hall of Fame running back to lead uh, a Super Bowl winning team in rushing. You got to go all the way back to, to Marshall Falk. Since 2013, how about this number? Since 2013, uh, no Super Bowl winning team has paid its leading rusher more than $2.5 million. So I the average, average salary of leading rushers uh, in the, on the past 14 Super Bowl teams is just $1.4 million. And one more stack, so I, 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 I will let you get into it, Patrick. Since 1980, which is my lifespan, 45 running backs drafted in the top 10. Only three have won a Super Bowl with the team that drafted them. Marcus Allen, Jamal Lewis, Reggie Bush. These are the stats that um, now I think a lot of these execs are looking at as gospel. And why would you violate the analytics and those, those trends that you recognize lately? So I, this is the question that's going to make it – that makes things a little bit weirder is basically as far as things working out, like in the short term of running backs getting paid, I don't see it happening unless they really form a, a union of just running backs and they say we're not playing, which probably will not happen before 2030 and the new CBA. But when does attrition in the running back game start to really affect college football? Because we can say all day long in the NFL, you don't win Super Bowls without, without, a, without a, uh, with the running back. You don't need one. But in college football, running backs are awesome. And running backs can really help your team in college football. And at what point does college football, they go, well, none of the best players want to play running back anymore. Because there's no money in it. So they'd rather play defensive end, or they'd rather be a wide receiver, or they'd rather even be a tight end. A tight end's going to make four or five times the money a year that a running back makes. So when these guys start to change positions and you start to lose more and more guys, and does it start to affect the college football game at some point in the near future? Because basically people say, well, if they're, if they're not paying running backs, why am, I, why am I doing that? And parents say, why would you want to be 
a running back anymore. It's possible. Um, I don't know how long, um, you know, we'd, we'd see the kind of evolutionary effect of that over time. I imagine it'd take like a decade plus for it to kind of it's, it's set in. But I'm with you. I think, I think that's inevitable. If this trend continues, the, 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 the running back market becomes so depressed and continues uh, on this track of being essentially a broken system, I'm with you. I think uh, you'll see some of the best athletes decide, instead of playing running back, go play cornerback. Go play safety. Go play anything other than running back. Go play wide receiver because running back, there's, no, there's a future in it, but the, you have a ceiling. And you're only going to get so far playing the running back position no matter how good you are at it. And that's basically what the NFL is saying. No matter how good you are at the running back position, you know, we're not going to pay you um, top dollar. Uh, that's what the analytics tell us, and we're following the analytics. And, by the way, it's also a supply and demand issue, right? Think yep. about it. I mean, take 2022 alone. Running backs drafted outside the first round. Listen to this list. You had Brees Hall drafted in the second, along with Kenneth Walker in the second, James Cook, Rashad White in the second, Brian Robinson in the second, all those guys, I mean, hell, Brees Hall, he got hurt, so he only rushed for, he only had 681 total yards, but Kenneth Walker, over 1,200 total yards. Uh, Rashad White, 848 total yards. Brian Robinson, that's the guy that got shot, right? 857 total yards. I mean, they, they got, I mean, Damian Pierce was drafted in the fourth round by the Texans. He had over 1,100 yards. And he uh, missed games Tyler, they were taken. Exactly. Remember Tyler Azure? That guy was drafted in the fifth round. Man, he, he, he had over 1,100 total yards. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round, over 1,200 total yards. So I do think it's also a supply and demand issue where, hey, man, I can get a bargain basement deal on a running back. He may not be Saquon Barkley. He may not be a Josh Jacobs. He may not be, you know, one of those high-end models of a running back. Um, but he can still give me a really, a really, really high productivity level if you're looking at price point and cost kind of a cost analysis yeah cost of the of the of the value of the asset and the commodity yeah and i mean i think it's just because the nfl is counterintuitive in every other position that doesn't work that way that there is more wide receivers than they than they need and teams could do it they just don't scout them well so they're like we have to get six wide receivers because only two are going to play well because we don't know how to scout them well enough and we have to get we have to get a quarterback and we have to overpay for this quarterback because we have to have somebody. So every other position, kind of, they go, yeah, there is enough guys at wide receiver. There is enough guys at, at DB. There is enough guys at, at edge rusher. But we don't know how to scout them properly enough. So we're just going to have to pay everybody to try and get three on a team at least to hope that two of them play well. I totally agree. I've always said, and you've heard me say it too, wide receiver is the deepest position in football. I do. I think it's the it's the deepest at every level. If you look at it, and there's a lot of really good wide receivers out there. Every remember, Trevon Diggs wanted to play wide receiver so bad when Nick Saban switched from the wide receiver, he cried because he wanted to play wide receiver so bad. And now he's an All Pro cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. So he's got to thank Nick Saban for that payday he's about to get. But I totally agree with you, man. I I think that the NFL is a pass happy league, so they're gonna play. They play more three wide receiver sets and more one running back set. So that's a big part of it, too. And here's another thing that's contributing to it. On top of what you're bringing up about, hey, man, it just the roster, they, play, they use a roster, they fill a roster with more wide receivers. They use more spots for that position than running back. But also, more rushing quarterbacks, more quarterbacks 
that also can supplement the running game. And we're seeing that more and more because these statuesque, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning style statue in the pocket, prototypical pocket passing quarterback, that is no longer the norm. Now you have quarterbacks who are who have functional mobility is it I think it's almost standard. It's a stand it's on standard model of quarterbacks now. Every quarterback's got functional mobility. Every quarterback can move around a little bit. Can they, you know, can they run like a Lamar Jackson? Or are they just as a viable threat running as they are throwing? No. Uh not all of them, but we have more and more of those types of quarterbacks with those explosive uh skill sets as runners. But now, you know, I think every quarterback has functional mobility and that is also helping supplement the running game, making the running back position less valuable. And also getting back to quarterback, I said this yesterday, no quarterback that I can remember. Well, actually, I take that back. One quarterback that we, I think there has been reported, that actually went into the you know GM's office or went to bat for his running back. Most quarterbacks who are the face of the franchise, most important players on the team, period. So the franchise will listen to quarterbacks. We know now, hell, quarterbacks, they get the NBA efficacious treatment of the NFL. They can go talk to their GMs about who to draft. Cowboys do that. Chiefs do it. A lot of teams do it. Whether they're going to respect the quarterback's opinion or not, they think it's a courtesy to ask the quarterback's um, opinion on draft picks just out of respect for the position and what they mean for the franchise. I do think if more quarterbacks went into the GM's office and pounded on the table and went to bat for running backs. Their running back said, hey, man, I need my running back. We know they do it for wide receivers because they throw to those guys. We know Joe Burrow did it for Jamar Chase. We know Dak Prescott, you know, he, he, he did it for Zeke. He's the only quarterback I know that may have done it for Zeke. But every other quarterback, they pound the table for their wide receivers, for their offensive tackles. They don't do it for running backs because they don't see running backs like that either. No, and I mean, if you want to extend on that too, I mean, I think coaches have lost power in the negotiation of who they want to bring in. That quarterback is a more important to the ownership and general manager than than the the coach a lot of times because they'll go look man we're we're invested in the coach for for you know three years six million seven million eight million dollars a year and we're invested in the quarterback at forty five million a year so we can get, replace a coach quicker than we replace our quarterback plus we if you're not winning then we think that he's a top 15 quarterback. We, we don't think you're a top 15 coach. We'll go replace you. So if, even if the coach says, hey, man, logic tells me I need a running back, if the quarterback says, well, I need a left tackle and I need another deep threat, they're probably going to get a left tackle and a deep threat and not a running back. Yep. Yep, totally agree. And so, I, yeah, it's, it's so multifactorial. It's not just – one factor that's driving down the value of running backs. I mean, hell, we just listed probably three or four different factors. And also something, honestly, Patrick is going to come down to, and I hate to put this on this young man's shoulders because it's not fair, but it's such as life. Bijan Robinson, if he wants to get his max, because right now, Bijan Robinson is like the highest paid running back in the league because he was drafted really high in the NFL draft, top 10, and he's getting getting that that fully guaranteed money at that slot and most running backs now don't get drafted that high and the position overall has been devalued from a salary cap perspective he's he might have to do what Zeke did Patrick and skip the line he might have to start asking for a new 
contract extension around year year three of that deal. Don't even allow the Falcons to ride out your rookie deal. Honestly, I hate to say it, but Zeke, that's Zeke is the way. The way Zeke did it, that is the way for running backs, man. Skip the line. Don't even because you're prime now. Think about it, because the NFL with the with the rookie weight scale, right? The NFL basically has they they do have kind of control over the the value of those rookie picks, right? So they know that you'll be slotted at a certain value. Prior to the rookie weight scale, the NFL had a problem where rookies were making more than all the vets. That is not the case anymore. But because of that rookie weight scale, you've already depressed everybody's value initially coming out. That includes running backs. But the reason running backs are so different and it's such a fragile situation is because their shelf life is shorter than any other position. Every position has a short shelf life. It's football, for God's sakes, but theirs is the shortest of everybody. So they have the shortest lifespan of any position and on top of that they have the lowest earning potential now of any other position out there i want to say long snapper maybe it has uh is paid less than running backs but you get the point well and not only so that, on top of that by the time Bijan gets to his franchise tag the franchise tag is gonna be like six million Exactly. Because it's going to keep going down every year as these contracts that are boosting up to $10 million, they're not getting re-signed. They're not, there is no new bar set. So as it continues to go, it's just that franchise tag is going to drop. So basically every single rookie running back will get franchise tagged unless you have a quarterback that needs to tag more than they do. But for the most part, it's going to be just franchise tagging everybody because what, what, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say, hey, we have this guy, we can't sign him long-term, he's already 26, so we think he's about to be done anyway, so let's get one more year out of him for 5 to $6 million, and, uh, and then after that, we'll just, unless he wants to, unless he realizes the market's too terrible and he wants to try and come back for two years, $5 million, we're done with him, we'll draft somebody else. I totally agree. I think Bijan, I, I, I think his agent, whoever it is, is smart enough to see this coming, that you're right, the franchise tag is going to keep dropping, and they're just going to try to franchise tag him, ride out the rookie contract, yeah. franchise tag him as much as possible, and then look to get out of this deal and get the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, mentality where, hey, if you're 26 or 27, you've already hit your prime, that means you got to go. I think Bijan needs to be thinking about taking the Zeke route. And I know that Jonathan Taylor is going to be up first, but I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to get his. I think Bijan's got a better shot at it just because Bijan is considered more multi-purpose. Now, Jonathan Taylor's a beast, but Bijan has the, has the multi-purpose, multiplicity uh, tag on him, or at least he's got that title, and that's what Christian helped Christian McCaffrey get paid a little bit more money, too, and I believe he's the highest-paid running back at, what, $16 million, somewhere around there? So that's why Bijan, I think, has a better chance, but he's got to skip the line. As you said, Patrick, time is of the essence. The franchise tag value continues to drop, and he's got to skip the line. He's going to be in his prime, basically, as a running back in the next two years, and in the next two years, he's going to have to hold out to get that money. Yeah, I, mean, I think you're right. It's, you're, he's in a position where if you don't play hardball before you get to where they can easily look at that franchise tag as an out, then you really have zero to negotiate against because you're saying, I want five years at $8 million. And they go, yeah, but we can keep you. We can franchise tag you three times in a row, and it'll be like $12 million, $14 million exactly. on the third year. It will, it'll still be less money for us to franchise tag you three times than to sign you to a three-year deal with what you want. And Agreed. that's where it's going to be just nuts of 
no, they're and Jonathan Taylor screwed because he didn't jump the line. So they know now, hey, man, we got a rookie quarterback. We're going to have to see where this goes. We got to see what Michael Pittman turns out at wide receiver. We don't know what we're going to be able to do. And, I mean, there's 50-50 that the Colts could get halfway through the season and mail it in, bench Anthony Richardson, and tank the rest of the season and try and go get Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. and say, hey, we have Marvin Harrison Sr., let's go get him and uh, try and get the number one pick and go get him or number two pick or whatever it is. They could tank halfway through if it's not working again. So there, right. there's a – and if they do that, well, then what's his recourse? Because they're going to bench him half the season. I, I, I think Bijan is going to be the next guy. If, he, if anybody can reset the running back market, if there's hope to reset the running back market, it rests with Bijan. Can we agree with that? Yeah. I mean, but I don't – and I, that's the problem, though. I don't think it resets anything. I think it's an anomaly. I think it's a Deshaun Watson contract. Yeah, I think it's that, that. I think it's that thing where it's like, hey, we're, we're going to give this to this one guy, but don't look at it and think that's a real deal. That's not how it works. We don't do fully guaranteed. We don't give running backs contracts. Look, Mulligetta came by and held us up again, and we walked out of the room <laughs> thinking we all, we're all smiling and laughing, and then we read the news and we're like, what do we do? If Mulligetta can can reset the running back market with Bijan, is Bijan his agent? Bijan, he, I think Bijan's he's on the same firm, but it's not oh, Mulligetta. Okay. But if it's the same okay. firm, wow. then he may Ooh. have to come in to help out a Texas wow. guy. Honestly, yeah, honestly, it might be worth it for Bijan just to say, hey, man, I need Mulligetta representing me. I need the Johnny Cochran of NFL agents to represent me because if he can reset the running back market along with getting Deshaun Watson, that fully guaranteed contract, he might be reaching GOAT status of, of agents, period. Yeah, we'll see. He'd be, yeah, it'd be a lot, but you got to think how weak the NFL Players Association is. Like, they don't even recognize that Deshaun Watson deal because they thought – it was such a game changer. It would basically change the way that the NFL has to do business with quarterbacks. So they said it, it didn't happen. That was – nope, that didn't happen. That was an outlier. Didn't happen. It's like men in black. They just flashed that damn thing and everybody forgot about the Deshaun Watson deal. <laughs> they didn't forget. They and, just like, don't, don't listen to that. And Well, I'll tell you, Mulligan re- represents DeAndre Swift, who just got traded, who is a – who – is I believe the only rookie he negotiates. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So we will see if Mulligetta continues to associate with him throughout this season. But that is there's your there's your guy. That's the guy to see who that super agent can get for him. They need yeah. The running backs need somebody to come save the day, man. Because right now uh, times are looking tough. All right, well uh, we'll get to the break here. Come back. Uh, usually it's Harge knock life, but Harge is out. Uh, so what we'll talk about is. The best athlete right now in their sport that's not named Shohei Otani, not named Lionel Messi. Other than those two guys, I don't know of anybody right now is at the top of their game. And not Patrick Mahomes. I'll say that too. All right. Top of their game in their sport, not Shohei, not Messi, not Mahomes. Who is it? We'll discuss when we come back. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful nothing to horn. Welcome back to 
the ball don't lie right here on 104.9 the horn it is a top of the charts tuesday that's my man patrick takes champs that reached the top of the billboard charts on this day in history so we appreciate all of his efforts uh you can always be a part of the show specs text line is the best way to do it you can do that uh at 512-337-3776 uh, you also can hit me up via twitter i'm at rod baber city twitter first my man patrick and it's patrick davis and harge out well a little vacation day he'll be back tomorrow you can hit him up cyberstalk him at uh hardball harge in the twitterverse all right so i want to get into this uh story or at least this take that i teased um there's not enough discussion right now about how 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 great scotty scheffler has been playing and that's mostly because you got to blame shohei because shohei has been doing some otherworldly stuff <laughs> so uh, keep it up with Shohei. That's taking a lot of the headlines. And, you know, Lionel Messi, uh, with Messi coming over uh, to America and MLS, that's a huge story. Uh, but Scotty Scheffler should be a big story. And maybe it'll be this weekend um, that, you know, Scotty Scheffler once again will become a big topic of conversation or become a big headline. Uh, so... I, I, I was talking to my man, Matt Butler, who keeps up with all types of different analytical uh, anomalies, different stats, anything that stands out. And he was talking to me about Scotty Scheffler and how well Scotty Scheffler is playing. And if there's anybody you should be picking, um, you know, to win uh, the next big major coming up, it'd be Scotty Scheffler. And... Here's some numbers and some stats about Scotty Scheffler, lifetime Longhorn, by the way, uh, that I want to get into about how well uh, Scotty Scheffler is playing. And and the, the reason I got into it is because Matt Butler said he's playing as well as Tiger is playing. And I was like, there's no way he's playing as well as Tiger was playing. And he's like, no, man, you got to go check him out right now. He's playing as well as Tiger played in, in his prime. And honestly, some of these stats about Scotty Scheffler's recent uptick um, are just mind-blowing. So he's at the top of the world golf ranking, so he's considered the best golfer in the world. But here's, here's some of the things that stand out. So he's basically his consistency in the last year has been unbelievable. He's got top 10 finishes in nine last – you're going to look at it over. He's got – Top 10 finishes in nine of the last 13 majors and a tie for the best score over the past four majors overall. He's at 27 under. This year, though, he has been in the top three in strokes, gain, tee to green in all three majors. And in short, he has basically been the best golfer in majors overall since 2020. Over that sample size, Scheffler is 62 under par at majors, beating the nearest competitor by 27 strokes. Got a major coming up. This is probably the guy you want to back. This And the major and, coming up this weekend will be the Open, the British Open, is this weekend. And um, he has basically, this 2023 season, he's collected top 12 finishes in all 16 of his tournaments that he's played in. He's got wins at the Phoenix Open and the Players' Championship. And basically, he's on a run of seven top five finishes, including the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. Still, you know, 
he hasn't gotten the second major that he wants, but he has 14 top tens this year and hasn't missed a single cut. Um, he's got two runner-up finishes, one twice. His lowest finish has been tied for 45th at the CJ Cup last October. And he hasn't been outside the top 12 since that event last October. And people are saying basically this stretch of golf that he's on right now is the best stretch of golf in the last 20 years outside of what Tiger did in 2004. He says since 2004, the only golfer who has played better than Scotty Scheffler is playing right now is Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all, in 04. So start it out there. Yeah, if you're looking for... Somebody hit your wagon too with the uh, the open coming up. This he sh- he might be the guy. Uh, that might be he is the guy. I, I will tell you he is uh, at least on CBS Sports listed as the second biggest betting favorite or betting odds. He has the second best betting odds. Was uh, Rory ahead of him? Rory is ahead of him because it is yeah. the British Open, and yeah, so it's yeah. more it's closer to where Rory played growing up. So I get. I understand why he'd be there, but Scotty Shuffler is second uh, best odds to win the tournament. Rom behind him, Ricky Fowler. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood round out the top five. Uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously it's not a big secret, but I just wanted to give the, the the stats and the facts on exactly how impressive he's been. And like I said, in majors, they're basically saying he is the best majors bet. But you're right, that's more of a home field advantage, I guess, kind of thing for for Rory. But I I love the stat that in top ten finishes in nine of the last thirteen majors. And a tie for the best score over the past four majors overall. And basically since 2020, um, he is 62 under par in majors. Nearest competitor, uh, he's beaten them by 27 strokes. That is uh, – so, he, yeah, I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but he's going to win a major here, and hell, maybe this will be the one. But uh, Scotty Sheffer, lifetime Longhorn, had to get some props because those are some eye-popping impressive uh kind of mind-blowing stats about what he's been doing lately uh okay we come back we got off the record got a couple off the record stories uh one we do have now confirmation from hbo that hard knocks is indeed going to be uh with the j-e-t-s yes 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 we'll hear from aaron Rodgers because he's a little reluctant and he's not the only one they said the franchise as a whole is a little reluctant to get excited about hard knocks but i predict that this hard knocks will be the most watched hard knocks on record i'll come back and i'll tell you why that is the case also uh we have some other off the record topics that we'll get into uh, all of that more right here on ball don't lie on 104.9 the horn D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. Congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for another edition of Off the Record. Uh, and actually, this Off the Record, sports-related, want to get into uh, the Hard Knocks series that has been confirmed now from both sides 
we know the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and company confirmed that they were the team that was selected for Hard Knocks, but now HBO has put it out there as well that they will be um, uh, at the Jets training camp. And I believe the Jets tra uh, training camp is starting up this week. So that means in like, I don't know, like a week or so, two weeks from now, you'll have uh, Hard Knocks um, that will be debuting. And Aaron Rodgers was on, he was on a, he was actually at a golf event and he was asked about doing Hard Knocks and what he thought about being the focus of Hard Knocks with the Jets this season. Uh, here is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this is courtesy of KPIX. Uh, his, this is Aaron Rodgers' thoughts on being the featured team on Hard Knocks. One of the only things I like about Hard Knocks is the voice of God who narrates it. <laughs> right. Liv, I hope I get to meet him. But look, you know, I understand the, the appeal with us. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on me, a lot of eyes on our team, a lot of expectations for our squad. So, uh, they force it down our throats, and we got to deal with it. On August 8th will be the premiere of Hard Knocks. So August 8th, you'll get it essentially uh, in a little over two weeks. And my prediction, I think it's going to be the most watched Hard Knocks maybe ever. And the reason I say this, I think Hard Knocks, not only do you have the storyline of Aaron Rodgers and the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 you got New York City. You got a bunch of storylines there. Sauce Gardner is a good storyline, too. Might be the best corner in the NFL, and he's just going into his second year. You got Robert Sala. You got uh, Zach Wilson and him, you know, loving the Cougars and, and his Zach Wilson's mom, who's supposed to be a MILF, all this kind of stuff. You got, some, you got a lot of random storylines that people can, you know, gravitate towards. Oh, and don't but forget I Zach think, Wilson told whoever that if they got another quarterback, he was going to make their life a living hell. Yeah, that didn't happen, did it? Yeah. No, so, <laughs> yeah. but you got that storyline. Be like, hey, hey, remember when you said that it was going to be hell, and now you're just being happy? Well, well t tell, come on, go get someone to rile them up. <laughs> yes, true. And you got the friends of Aaron Rodgers right now who are up there too, right? He signed like three, four, hell, maybe more than that, former Packers players, just so Aaron Rodgers would feel at home. And Aaron Rodgers, he's a celebrity quarterback. Uh, Bill Parcells always said, beware of the celebrity quarterback. Well, he dates Hollywood starlets. He's, he's very um, egocentric and egotistical. And that's not in a bad way, but he does, you know, he, his world revolves around him. It's totally okay because he, you know, doesn't have a family. It's all about Aaron Rodgers, which is great television. It's going to be great television and really compelling also, though, Patrick, why I think it's going to be a kind of all-out effort for HBO to make this one of their best hard knocks, if not their best hard knocks. They're going to put a lot more effort and resources into it because they got competition now. This quarterback show on Netflix, people like it. Have you started watching it? Hard said it will make you like Kirk Cousins and Brittany Mahomes, so I haven't watched it. No, neither. I'm not going to watch Why would I watch that? I would, <laughs> I'm going to live – in my just my uh, completely made up hatred of people that I've never met before, just <laughs> so a much happier way to go through life. Just that is so American. Just that is ignorance. so American. It really is. We just hate people. We never met them. Don't know them. Like I hate that. So I have weird. nothing personal against you, but can I just dislike you? I just hate your guts. Why? Ah, just look at him. Look at his face. <laughs> um, but, yeah, with this, this new quarterback show, apparently it's getting some rave reviews. People really like it. And I think they, that maybe 
Hard Knocks feels a little threatened. Remember, Hard Knocks used to have a monopoly on this space, right? Uh, the, the inside access to training camps and to really the, the, the grind of the NFL. Now, you've got like three shows. Amazon has one. It's called All or Nothing. Remember they had that? They, they have a couple of teams on their show. They, had, they have one, and now you have the quarterback show, Netflix. So I do think there's some competition, and because of that, I think Hard Knocks is feeling the pressure this year with Aaron Rodgers to make this a, a really special season of Hard Knocks. And I think they're going to get it accomplished. It's HBO. I got a lot of faith in HBO. I, I'm predicting most watched a Hard Knocks series ever. Yeah, I think it's going to be it, just just solely on the fact that it is young young players and Aaron Rodgers. So it's like all these yep. young guys you want to root for. I do want to see, was it, who was the, the, the defensive back that couldn't remember all his kids' names? Antonio Cromarte. Yeah, but he was, yeah, it was, was on great. the Jets, right? It was the Jets. We had Rex Ryan. Yeah. So we need to have at least one defensive back recreate that scene and not remember <laughs> all their kids' names to really make it feel good like an old hard knocks. Oh, man. That was, that was that might be one of the most – honestly, the Jets that year, they had some of the most memorable scenes in the history of the hard knocks television series because it's also when rex ryan goes i believe let's go eat a a gd snack and he's like he has a rant where he goes off and he's like at the end of the race like let's go eat a gosh darn snack and everybody was like okay so you might be right about that man the jets yeah they they, they were very entertaining that year i do remember that that was an entertaining hard knocks i remember watching that one so hopefully this one aaron Rodgers will be just as entertaining remember now he's like a He's like an advocate for psychedelics, too. Oh, they got all type of stuff they can get into. Love it. It's going to be fun. All right, we come back. We'll get into some sound, some, some audio of Jimbo Fisher at SEC Media Day. So we'll hear from the head coach of Texas' rival. Also, we'll discuss some comments Greg Sankey had about the new NIL law in Texas. And we'll discuss my gripe with the new sponsor title of the Texas OU game. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9. 